right, it's time for a new episode. And today I'm gonna do a bit of storytelling and combine my story, my experience of my latest tour, which was in Indonesia, a mini tour. We did two shows there with some valuable, hopefully valuable (laughs) information and insights into, yeah, what is involved with going on tour. So if you're interested in that topic, stay tuned. (laughs) I just wrote down a few bullet points, so we'll see where this is going to take me. There's a lot that I want to cover. So grab a cup of coffee, go for a walk or something, and uh, yeah, enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Business Coaching for Artists podcast with me, your host, Susanna. I'm a singer and songwriter with over 18 years experience in the music industry Even though you've probably never heard of me before, I have built a successful music career as one of the top vocalists in the trans music genre and now get to spend every day doing what I love most, songwriting, singing and performing. A few years ago, I felt called to help other artists do the same. With BCFA, it is my mission to help you make your dream music career come true. A music career that aligns with who you are, your personality, your values, and your unique gifts and vision without overworking and losing yourself in the process. If you've been following me for a while, you may know that I have actually toured quite a lot in my lifetime. This actually, like I've been dreaming of performing on stage since I was a little girl, that's has always been my number one dream and goal, to be on stage and perform for people. And yeah, stand on large stages in large venues. That was what I was dreaming about when I was little. So I feel very fortunate to be able to do this and to have been able to perform at many uh, wonderful stages, small, big, doesn't matter, I just love to be on stage. And initially, I used to be in a band when I was in, in uh, when I was a teenager, and we did perform a lot locally. But after I started doing trance, my main experience with touring, the first real experience with touring internationally, I must say, was with Armin, Armin van Buren. We did a track together in gosh, it's almost been 20 years, Uh, in 2004 um, for his album that was released at the time. It was the title track of the album called Shivers. And after that, he started touring with his Armin Only shows. And those usually DJs, you see them performing by themselves, right? Well, the Armin Only tour, even though it said Armin Only, had a different setup. He actually brought on artists and singers that he worked with on his album to tour with him and to perform with him. And I was one of those lucky ones to be able to tour internationally, actually on two tours with him. We've performed in New York and LA, Australia, different countries like Russia, different countries in uh, Eastern Europe. So that's that was an amazing experience and it really yeah, made me fall in love with touring and trans music even more and then after that you know I really 
got the taste of it and I wanted to more of that. And thankfully, because of my career and me continuing to put out music and building my fan base and just having, yeah, a, a loyal following online has allowed me to do more tours and to perform more often. And that was also something that I worked on intentionally. I was like, okay, this is a DJ dominated scene. So if I want to get booked for shows, just me, just as Susanna, then I need to be viewed more as just a singer that you hire for a track, as if just as more than a featured artist. So that was really my intention. I wanted to profile myself as a multidimensional artist in the trance scene. So I started my own radio show, started doing a compilation series. I really profiled myself as a live artist. I made sure to be selective to what kind of projects I was doing and to work with artists that were high profile, just really (laughs) amazing music to really put myself on the map like that. And to also demonstrate like, hey, I'm more than just a voice that you hire for a track. I'm, I'm connected to the community. I'm a part of the community. I'm giving to the community. So yeah, I feel like this is already going in a completely different direction <laughs> for today's podcast episode that I intended to go into. But I'm just going with the flow for this one. And I think this, yeah, this is a very interesting thing now that I think of it. That I and I truly believe that thinking that way and in a sense being a bit strategic with that has helped me to eventually get my a booking agent, a booking agent who went out of his way to get me bookings and not just with other DJs but with as myself as well. So I have done shows with my so- own solo set, which didn't happen a lot for vocalists back then. I don't think it's happening a lot now, <laughs> a bit more, I would say, but especially back then, it, it didn't happen a lot. So I feel very fortunate that I was able to do that. And yeah, of course, you know, the past couple of years, not much happened because of the pandemic. And actually the year before the pandemic, 2019, that was such an amazing year for me. I performed at Tomorrowland. I performed at Untold Festival, which is not as big as Tomorrowland, but I think they're on their way (laughs) to becoming as popular and as large as Tomorrowland. That was an amazing experience. I even organized my own concert because that year was my 15th anniversary in trance music. And I decided, I always also had this dream this goal and it felt a bit distant of doing an acoustic concert because my background in music is live music I was in a band I played with live musicians so after years of touring and performing on stages um, in clubs doing electronic music without live musicians I thought you know wouldn't it be great for my anniversary to do this concert where I'm Yeah, working with different musicians where we rework my dance repertoire into acoustic versions. 
And I will do an, another episode on that topic because there's a lot to talk discuss about organizing your own uh, concert as well. But we ended up having nine live musicians and two guest vocalists. And it was such a wonderful night and an amazing experience. Learned a lot from it also. And it's a night that I will never forget. So I was doing really wonderful things that year. A lot of good stuff was happening to me. It wasn't always easy. I mean, I invested a lot of money into organizing that concert. And I had my sleepless nights and my doubts like, okay, what if I don't sell enough tickets? What if musicians that I hired get sick on the day of the show? Stuff like that. So it wasn't always easy, but it was, and maybe that's, Probably that's why it was such an amazing year. It wasn't always easy, but the reward was really big. And then, yeah, you know, we all know what happened the year after. Only a few months after my concert, the pandemic hit and everything kind of just fell flat, obviously. And I must say that after, like, I think this year, since beginning of this year, 2022, things have started to pick up again slowly. But not much was happening for me yet on the touring front. So I was really excited that earlier this month in uh, November, um, me and a really good friend of mine in trance, we've worked together. He's a DJ and producer. We've worked together on, on multiple releases. And we decided actually before the pandemic, <laughs> the year before that same year, we also decided to start a live act together where we not only perform our tracks, our hits, but also so do like original music, but also do covers of iconic dance tracks and mashups and just create a really unique show with a lot of yeah, recognizable music for people for the for the crowd to sing along with and stuff. So also that project was kind of put on a hold the two, what was it, two or three years after that, two years after that. But then, yeah, this November, we were actually booked for two shows in Indonesia, in Jakarta and in Surabaya. Now, let me just briefly walk you through what leads up to a booking. Just a disclaimer, I am talking about touring in dance music without like a whole live band and a whole crew and a whole it was just me and him going on tour with a USB stick basically so I get that touring with a whole band or an orchestra or whatever that's a whole different ball game so I'm speaking from my own experience here and I still think there's a lot of valuable nuggets uh, for me to share with you, even though we were touring like uh, light, the light way. <laughs> so yeah, leading up to a booking, getting booked. Well, we have a booking agent. That is very convenient. Obviously, booking agents tend to have the contacts and the track record and promoters. Promoters are the people who organize events, trust them, and they can really help you get more bookings. But I must also say that I have also done 
been my own booking agent <laughs> uh, for a few years where I, when I didn't have a booking agent. And then, you know, we would have me and my father, who is actually a lawyer, we would make up this, uh, we, have, we would um, draft up uh, a contract and just handle all the booking requests ourselves. But like I said, the benefit of a booking agent is that they have the network, they have the contacts to get you more bookings. So it's really great that um, Ram and I, that's my friend's name, have a booking agent for our project. And they then usually do the communication with the promoter, negotiate the fee, do the contract and all the logistics, etc. Now, the funny thing is that sometimes people think I pay for my own tours, that I pay to be able to tour. But that's not the case. Obviously, I'm not in this for charity. <laughs> so yeah, a fee is negotiated. A lot of the time, it's a landed fee when you perform internationally. That means instead of saying X amount plus flight, you agree on one landed fixed amount. So let's say 3K. And then out of that amount comes the flight. This gives the promoter a little bit more security because one day flights can be 500 euros and the next day they'll be 800. So in my experience, they prefer to work with landed fees, as they are called. Well, once there's an agreement on the fee, it's time to sign the contract. In the time, in the period that I used to handle my own bookings, obviously I would be really involved with the contract, but with the booking agency, I have seen the contract, I know what's in it, and I trust them to handle everything properly. Now, sometimes depending on where you're going, you need a visa. For example, in the past I've done quite a few shows in Russia, Definitely needed a visa for that. You need, for the United States, you would need a visa, which is a hard one to get. An entertainment visa. The United States is very strict on foreigners earning money in their country. So it can cost you actually up to a few thousand euros to get the, uh, I forgot the name of the, the visa, <laughs> but it's a special visa for, for artists. And yeah, it's quite an investment. So that makes performing in, in uh, the United States a bit harder. Like Canada, for example, is much easier, but you also need to arrange for some kind of permit there. But those most of the time is are things that promoter can arrange for, or you'll have to go to a visa agency in your country to... Yeah, arrange for everything. Thankfully for Indonesia, we did not we did not really need a visa. Interestingly enough, actually, the promoter arranged for someone to pick us up, someone who works at the immigration at Jakarta Airport, to walk us through the whole process. And that's also the interesting part when you travel internationally. I don't think that will be possible in Holland that someone who works at immigration will get you from the plane, unless you're maybe like a very, uh, a very, very important person. 
So yeah, there was some kind of permit involved. I don't even know because <laughs> they were just like, just fly there. We'll have someone waiting for you when you get off the plane. This person will take you through the whole process and then you're good to go. So I do have some kind of paper in my passport now, like a stamp. I don't even know what it is <laughs> exactly. So yeah, no, no complicated visa procedures for this, for this tour. Then a few days leading up to your flight, it's common practice that you receive an itinerary. And on the itinerary is all the information, the practical information, like what time is the flight, the flight numbers, what time do you arrive, who is the driver, phone number of the driver, the promoter, who is the artist liaison. A lot of times they will have an artist liaison. So that's someone who is there for the artist. That's the person you can, you'll get their, num their number. They will take you to dinner. They will take you to see stuff. If you want to go somewhere, if you want to do some sightseeing, <laughs> they are basically your go-to person. Uh, they're there for you to help you or to make, help make your stay in their country, in their city, comfortable and that all your needs are met. For example, at Untold Festival, they call the artist liaison your untold angel, which I thought was a really cute name. So all of that information is on the itinerary. Also the time of sound check, for example. A lot of DJs don't really need to do sound check, but for me as a singer, it's very important, obviously, to do a sound check so to make sure that I can hear myself well, that I th like the mix of the vocal of the microphone etc and talking about sound checks and the technical side of things it's important to have a technical and hospitality rider we've all heard the stories like oh mariah carey or eminem only wanted like blue m&ms and I don't know, Kanye only wanted, need, um, had on his itinerary that he wanted a completely white room to chill before the show. You hear the wildest stories about riders from artists, but basically a technical and hospitality rider is just, okay, what do you need in the sense of gear on the, the technical side of things? So for me, it lists the type of microphone, the inner monitor system that there needs to be and I've had a few occasions where they could not make the in-ear monitor system work so just to be on the safe side I have added on my rider also that there always need to be two floor monitors so those are the monitors on the floor as a backup and I'll explain later but actually that was came in handy on this tour <laughs> you want to be prepared for everything and then on the hospitality rider, you basically list things like what do you want in your dressing room? Maybe if you have any dietary, um, what's the word? Dietary preferences, like if you're vegetarian or gluten-free or whatever. I don't have that on mine, but you can add that. The What kind of hotel and things like that. The hospitality rider is basically about what do you need? to make your stay comfortable and what you would like to have in your dressing room, kind of food, drinks, etc. 
So yeah, that's basically kind of the practical things, things to keep in mind leading up to the day of departure. And of course, there's also my own preparation. (laughs) So rehearsing, packing, deciding what to bring. And an important thing and a, a tip I have is to arrange or to double check with the promoter that they'll, they, they will have someone there to take pictures of the performance and ideally also to shoot a video, like an after movie or video content of your performance because it's really great opportunity for content. So... I also recommend definitely packing in your suitcase a tripod. Especially if you travel alone. A tripod will come in handy. I created some, I shot some footage, some content in my hotel room with my tripod. And if you go sightseeing by yourself, a tripod, yeah, allows you to take some footage and take pictures of yourself. So That's definitely, I would say, a must-bring item in your suitcase. And my approach to content creation is everything is content. And to document everything. Just film stuff, even if it feels random. Film stuff, take pictures of things. And then later, you'll figure out what you can use it for. You want to create like this whole library of content from your tour... And then later you can use different elements for stories, for reels, for posts, for vlogs and things like that. So don't sleep on that opportunity. (laughs) That would be my advice. Now for this tour, the schedule, the traveling schedule was kind of grueling. I was really excited. I love traveling. When I graduated high school, I actually traveled in Latin America for like six months. I just love the feeling and the the adventure side of of travel. So I was excited to, to travel and just get on a plane and be like, oh, let's see where we end up. Although I had been in Indonesia before, but yeah, still, I guess you understand what I mean. That feeling of, of wanderlust was really present in me (laughs) the days leading up to our departure but yeah Indonesia is not around the corner so it was a long flight via Singapore so we had a layover and it was also a red-eye flight meaning we were flying through the night so we had to sleep on the plane basically I'm okay with sleeping on the plane, sometimes better than others. And on the way there, I actually got in a few hours of sleep without a sleeping pill. <laughs> so that was, was good. And then upon arrival, Ram, who I was touring with, actually had some friends there and they had already invited us to join them to visit the Sky Bar. And Jakarta is really a metropole with large skyscrapers and a lot of traffic and a lot of people. It's a very vibrant city. 
So even though, because I developed a bit, little bit of a headache during the flight, even though I wasn't feeling completely 100%, I was like, yeah, I want to go there. I want to see the views from the sky bar. I don't even remember how many stories high it was, but it was really high up. And just chill a little bit, have a drink, socialize a little bit, and then go to the hotel. And that was already after traveling. The flight was like two, 12 and a half, and then another two hours, and then the layover. And yeah, so the whole trip there was probably like 18 hours or something. And yeah, I'm, I'm glad that I went there because such amazing view from there. And we had a very tight schedule. So I was like, this is probably one of the few moments that I actually have time to see something of Jakarta. But I did leave a little bit earlier than the rest back to the hotel because I could feel my headache getting uh, worse. And unfortunately, it did turn into a migraine during the night. Not ideal when you have a show to do and a sound check to do. Thankfully, though, the sound check was the next day late in the afternoon. So I had time to chill a little bit, sleep in, just enjoy the views from my hotel room, go to the breakfast buffet, have a li- some lunch with Ram. And then prepare for sound check. The first show we did was at Colosseum in Jakarta, which is a renowned club there. And the sound there was really great. I yeah, sound check was really fast. Um, and basically what I do during the sound check, my main thing is yeah, do I can I hear myself? And is the vocal that the crowd hears loud enough in comparison to the music and with my in-ear monitor I want to hear both the music on through it as well as my own live vocal I need to hear both and then we basically adjust the levels until I feel like yeah they're good you know the music is not too loud the microphone is not too soft and the other way around like it's a good mix on my ears so that was sound check the sound check itself was probably shorter than the drive there because of the traffic in Jakarta. It's probably like an hour and a half to get there. And oh, sorry, no, half an hour to get there and a half an hour to, to get back to, uh, to the hotel. Usually I prefer to then just stay in my hotel, order some room service and prepare. Because... We are dance music artists. We often perform in the middle of the night. Now, because of the time difference, the middle of the night in Jakarta was like during the day in the Netherlands, where I'm from. But still, I felt tired because of the whole flight, the whole trip we took out there and not really sleeping on the the plane. So instead of going out to dinner somewhere nice in Jakarta... I decided to stay in the hotel. That's actually what I usually prefer. Because if we go out for dinner, and sometimes I get a little bit uneasy, like I want to get back to the hotel on time. Because for me, it's different than for Ram, for for DJ. 
they maybe like put some gel in their hair, wash their face, put on a new shirt and they're good to go. But for me, I want to do some vocal warm-ups. I want to do my hair, makeup. Um, yeah, just prepare and mentally prepare as well and just chill and not worry about are we going to get back to the hotel on time for me to change and and get ready. There's another thing with touring internationally that crowds are not the same, not always the same in different parts of the world. And in Indonesia or Asia, it's it's a bit different from what maybe we're used to in Europe. Over here, we have a dance floor and people are on the dance floor dancing and they stand in front of the stage and they're really interacting with the artist. There, in Jakarta or Indonesia, it's, it's a bit different. They have tables on the dance floor. So the people who go there, they who go to the event, they buy not just an entrance ticket, but actually a table. They pay for a table for the night. And then they kind of stand around the table. They also have kind of like sky boxes on, on the side or, or benches on the side with tables. So it's more like sitting and watching the show than actually dancing and being on on stage, uh, on stage, on the dance floor. So it that was harder work for us to kind of get them <laughs> to to come to the front, to interact with them. And as an artist, you want to feel that people are really excited for you to be there. You want to see their faces. You want to see them dance. That makes you feel like they're enjoying themselves. But I could see that they were enjoying themselves. They were taking videos um, or singing along. And what I like to do under those circumstances, when sometimes you feel like a little bit like, I wish they would come closer or I wish there was more connection. I direct my attention. I sing to the person that I see is looking at me. I sing to the person that I see is filming me. And that helps because, yeah, then you kind of break the ice. And some people actually came to the front and wanted to take pictures <laughs> with us while we were on stage. That's also a big thing there, apparently. They, yeah, they they have, feel like they've had a good night if they've got a picture with you. And that's really important also for building the relationship with people. And one of the promoters actually explained it like this to, to us. He was like, in Asia, relationships are really important. It's important for people to feel a personal connection to you, to an artist. So actually, artists who come there who are larger than life and who don't make an effort to interact with the crowd, like go into the crowd and take pictures with them. He explained that for his club, that's the one in Surabaya, that doesn't work that well, then people are not really excited to, to have that artist back another, another time. So he actually applauded us for the fact that we did do that. We went into the crowd, we took pictures with probably everyone, had little chats with people, 
He was like, that's how they're going to remember you. And that's how they're going to feel excited to come see your show again the next time you're here. So I thought that was really interesting. But yeah, Coliseum, even though it was different, I really enjoyed it. It went really well, even though I was tired. (laughs) My voice was doing really well. Even though I was struggling a little bit with my headache, with my migraine. Yeah, the performance went really well. But again, I also believe that that's partly due to adrenaline. Adrenaline is a beautiful thing. (laughs) Although it also often leads to me not being able to unwind after a performance. I'm tired, but I can't go to sleep right away. Because the adrenaline is still pumping through my body. The next morning, we took our flight to Surabaya for our second show. So the pickup was at 11 in the morning. And we came back to the hotel relatively late. Now what I do, because I know I have the adrenaline still pumping through my veins. So even if I lie down now, I'm not probably going to get to go to sleep within... 30 minutes to an hour so usually I first pack my things and then when I've had a chance to just unwind a little bit I sleep and then I don't have to do the packing in the morning that really works for me I ordered a um, room service breakfast (laughs) with some veggies and egg and yogurt and fruits because that can be a challenge on the road to eat healthy And to get in enough vegetables and fruits, which I do believe is important, especially if you're traveling a lot, especially if you're going to be on stage, if you have to perform, if you have to be at your best, it's really important to feed yourself well. And that can be more of a challenge on tour. So I decided I'm just going to get myself, treat myself to this healthy nourishing breakfast and a lot of times the promoter will put a budget on the room for the artist to get room service and have meals in the hotel which was also the case um, in Jakarta so yeah then we were on to our next destination Surabaya and there different club Um, also a good experience, really, all in all. Although the sound was a little bit different, for some reason they couldn't get the in-ear monitor to work, and it's not the first time that that has happened. So instead I was like, you know, guys, I don't think we're going to get this working uh, today, so let's just use the backup monitors. And that's why I have backup monitors, floor monitors, floor wedges is another word for it. That even if the inner monitor doesn't work, we can still use the floor monitors, which is like how we used to perform when I was in a band. <laughs> we didn't have in-ear monitors. We used monitors on the floor and it, uh, it did its, its job. Same thing, you know, people rented a table on the dance floor but afterwards when we went into the crowd they were really excited to take pictures with us and I got tagged in a lot of stories and uh, and and posts with pictures of us so the promoter was like yeah 
you guys did a great job. Also did a great job connecting with the crowd. So I'd love to have you guys back next year. And that's what we want, right? We want to leave a good impression so that we can do more shows. Now I'm gonna, I don't want to make this episode too long. So I'm just gonna fast forward to our trip back home. That one was kind of grueling. Next time, because we flew, our trip back home started a few hours after we came back from that second show, after we came back to the hotel. And we had a really long layover in Jakarta. So we went from Surabaya back to Jakarta. That's like a two-hour flight. Then we had a seven-hour layover. And we decided to get a room at the airport hotel so we could take a nap and just chill. And then we had another flight of like 17 hours from Jakarta via Kuala Lumpur. It wasn't a layover, but a stopover. I won't bore you with the details, but we had to wait some time there before continuing on back to Amsterdam. So as you can imagine, also having dealt with a migraine pretty much the whole time, I, yeah, I was completely knackered. I don't know if that's the word. I think that's a British word. I was exhausted. But my sweet father picked me up from the airport. My parents are amazing. We arrived at like six in the morning. My father picked me up from the airport and drove me back home, which is like an hour drive, 50 minutes. And my boyfriend, he was already at work by the time I got home, but he had cleaned the house. There were fresh flowers there. He put a hot water bottle in my bed, in our bed. So yeah, that was so nice of th- of them to, they obviously knew I was going to return feeling exhausted. So that really, yeah, just brings a smile to my face to think of how thoughtful they were. <laughs> and usually people say like, Even someone on the plane was like, when you get home, try to stay awake for the whole day. Don't go to sleep because you want to get back into your normal rhythm as soon as possible. And I get that if it's if you're really jet lagged. But I wasn't away long enough. We left on Wednesday. We came back Monday morning. I wasn't away long enough to develop a jet lag. I was just exhausted because of lack of sleep. (laughs) So I was like, no, I need to sleep right now. So I actually just went to bed, slept for a few hours and really gave myself time that day to just do nothing, to really recover, to rest and recover, watch series on Netflix. And yeah, you know, I should probably have eaten some healthy meals and went for a walk, stayed awake until the evening. But when I come back from a tour, I'm just not there. I just need to sleep, (laughs) eat snacks (laughs) or at least easy food, watch Netflix and work through my anticlimax. 
Because that's something that isn't talked about a lot, I feel, where it comes to touring. We always think or see the highs of like being on stage and interacting with the fans and sightseeing and traveling, like the fun part. But no one really talks about the aftermath. And I think that anticlimax is the result of giving a lot of yourself within a few days and traveling and being exhausted. And while you're there, while you're on the way, while you're there, it's the excitement, it's the adrenaline that keeps you going. But then when you come back, you also have a lot of new experiences to process So I'm used to actually feeling that way for a day or so. And I'm being kind to myself about it. I don't have any rules of like, oh, you should be doing this or you should be doing that. No. (laughs) The day I get back, I do whatever the hell I want to (laughs) do. And what's going to help me feel better. So I slept, watched Netflix series, ate snacks, (laughs) did have a proper meal at night, went to bed early, and the next day I already felt so much better. So yeah, that's the story of our tour in Indonesia. Thankfully, there's a lot more interest because of this tour, I guess, and because of us working on new music for new shows. We also potentially have a show in Kuala Lumpur in December, And we will be doing a show in Holland, actually, in Paradiso in January, which I'm really looking forward to. Paradiso is such a lovely, amazing venue in in Holland. It's in an old church. Maybe you've been there. It's in Amsterdam. So I'm really looking forward to that. And yeah, next time I'm going to try and add like one day extra to our trip after the shows to kind of unwind and recharge and maybe do some sightseeing. This time, for some reason, um, we didn't allow ourselves that time, but would have been nice. So, yeah, I'm going to wrap this up. (laughs) I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope it gave you a little bit more insight into yeah, what tour life is really about, not just the highs, but also (laughs) the truth about traveling and feeling exhausted and, and things like that. So yeah, let me actually know what you thought of this episode. You can do so by going through to instagram.com slash business coaching for artists or send an email to info at businesscoachingforartists.com. And yeah, I hope you'll join me again for the next episode. Thank you for listening.